Bone Ditch by Ian Bird. Chapter 1. Insight lit by impact fire. Gobbit 1. Crash. Look, there he is, in the flesh. It's rarer than you think to be in the flesh. He never talks politics because all his friends are wrong. He's always smiling because it tightens his jawline. He's older than every one of his friends by four years, but only he knows that. It's one of his secrets. All his friends are somewhere else tonight, away from him while he sits on his wooden bench and looks down the hill across the city. He's drinking, he's happy, he feels superior. He should let someone know that he feels this way because they might be able to help him, but he doesn't. He's too polite. He likes his friends too much to let them know what he's really thinking of them. So that seed in him of knowing that he's better doesn't get exposed and outgrown and ultimately forgotten. It stays there, fertilised but dormant like the egg of a flea. He doesn't stand a fucking chance and he will never be truly happy in his life. This is good as it's going to get for him. Down below him, the cathedral is lit up, as is the theatre, but the rest of the city is a black worm cast in the night, winding streets occasionally glittering from the street lamps which the council would be unable to pay to light in a few hours' time. He had lost his virginity on this hill. He had worked out in what direction he ought to lose his virginity on this hill. He had told someone that he loved them on this hill. Next week he would be leaving here forever. He wouldn't be seeing his friends again in the same way ever again. He was about to be let loose. He had no idea what would happen after that. The fact that this realisation gave him pride was sad. Suddenly, in the city below, there was a brief flare, a birthday candle lit in a darkened empty room, and then a fragment of a second later the roar of some weird impact reached him. Immediately he was up and running down the hill towards the explosion. He grabbed at his phone. Yeah? Elliot, it's Dove. There's been an explosion. Wait, what? I'm just leaving uni to check it out. Something just blew up. Down by St Gavin's Road, I think, by the station. What, like a bomb? I, I don't know. Probably more like a car crash. I'll be there in about ten minutes. Have you called the police? I just called you. It's only just happened. Ah, uh, uh, what? Christ, Dove, call the police. And then get the fire brigade and an ambulance there too. Don't be a dick. Right, whatever. Come and find me. Find Michael as well. It's the middle of the night. I'm not coming out to look at a catastrophe. I thought you said you were in bed. You were already in a catastrophe. Come on, keep me company. He hung up. He was always smiling. He was always polite. And then one night, something would explode. He had been right. It had been a car crash. And by the time he got there, there was already a small crowd waiting and watching from the pavement on either side of the wrecks. Two cars ground into one another. The small one had been twisted onto its side underneath the larger one, and both were in a lazy kind of fire. Smoke was pouring from the shattered windows. Someone was trying to keep everyone from getting too close to the shredded metal and glass, but he wasn't in a uniform, so the crowd hovered closer than they should, anyway. Dove didn't know much about how cars worked, but it occurred to him that they were all very close to two flaming vehicles that ran on explosive fuel. No one else seemed to be that bothered. He realised that he was accepting their apparent expertise as some kind of confirmed authority, and lingered close as well. A smaller crowd were surrounding two people lying by the curb. They had clearly escaped from the vehicles and the bystanders were giving them the closest they could manage to first aid. There's nobody else in the cars, is there? Dove asked the people closest to him. Someone told me that no one's gotten out of the smaller car yet, a woman replied. She was dressed for a party. Dove stared at the wrecks, his eyeballs tightening in the scorching heat. Behind the flames and the smoke and beneath the roar of the fire, the second car seemed a world away, something distant and unreal they could take for granted. He stepped towards the wreck. No, mate, said someone behind him, but no one made any real effort to stop him. He stepped forward again, 
the second step was easier, so he took a third. Before he knew it, the fire was burning his face and he could almost see inside the smaller car. The fire was deadening the reactions of the people behind him and it was smothering his panic. His fear, like the crowd's dread must have felt to them, seemed implausible and so easy to ignore. Stepping forward had broken the spell, though. There could be someone in the car. He couldn't just watch. He moved closer and reached out. In front of him, inside the smaller car, through the shattered windshield, he saw shapes beneath the smoke and flames. I'm looking at people, he found himself thinking, and then a split second later, are they looking back at me? And the horror was there, inside him and undeniable at last. He was up against a wall of heat. It was against his skin, hooking inside him and pulling him back on tight wire. But he reached out and stepped closer anyway. Just as the rolling, lazy flames had enervated the spectators, removing from them the recognition of any real danger, so the sudden spark of knowledge that there were people trapped inside the car stripped away from Dove any sense of self-preservation. It was as if he had been suddenly stabbed with a shiv of empathy. Using his jacket as a shield, wrapped around his right arm, he batted closer to the wreck and reached out to touch it. The body of the car seemed a single ruined shell now, with nothing there to open or move, but the windshield hung open like a strange wound. He grasped the, end of that, the edge of that rupture, the brittle scar of glass around the hole, and pulled at it. Scabs of windshield fell away between his fingers, peeling like dead skin. He could get in. Beneath the sordid roar of the flames, Dove's voice sounded weak, even insulting, but he spoke anyway. Are you there? Is there anyone there? Can you see me? Can you move towards me? He was less than a metre from the inside of the car, but the smoke and the flames made it feel another world away. The car could have been full of people, or it could have been an empty mouth trying to entice him in past its broken but still sharp teeth. He pulled away at more of the windshield, peeling an egg, picking at a scab. Dove? He froze. Had he heard that? Had that been real? The next second he was being dragged back. Force and will had replaced the disembodied horror of the crowd and the fire brigade were here at last. Leather hands picked him up like he was a doll and moved him away. They set him down and after a second's check to be sure he wasn't injured, he was left alone again. Dove looked back at the wreck. He had felt a thousand miles away in a horrible alien world, but there it was in the middle of the street. His world had been fractured and invaded. Suddenly he began to shake. Suddenly he was terrified. The firemen were drenching the wreck and pulling at the ruin. They pulled free two shapes and moved them away from the fire. Dove, are you okay? It was Elliot. Dove's heart lurched in a way he did not often experience when he saw that Michael was there as well behind her. He wanted their company, he realised. He stood up, actually almost embarrassed as he tottered on suddenly weak knees and grinned at them both. It's pretty horrible. Michael rubbed Dove's shoulder then looked over at the flaming wrecks. Jesus. Are you all right, Elliot said. You look like shit. Did you, did you get up close to the cars? One of the crowd looked over at him. This idiot tried to get the guys in the car out. The fireman had to drag him away. Elliot and Michael glanced at each other. Well, what about you? I'm looking at you and I can't recognise you. Michael hugged him, clumsily kissing the side of his head as he did so. Christ, you stink, man. Elliot looked at the crash. Dove's heart started to calm, but still in a daze he found himself gazing at her. Behind her, the firemen were hosing the wreck. The flames that had poured out had been replaced with a sea of black smoke, breaking free of the ruin and escaping into the black sky. The disaster was over. Perhaps it hadn't happened. Disasters had never sounded plausible after all. Meanwhile, framed by a wave of oily black smoke, Dove could see why people thought Elliot was pretty. She didn't dress well, and her hair was always at least three different mistakes, but even so, her cheekbones were genuinely striking, high and sharp like a lazy insult, and her eyes were jet black. She was only small, slight and slim, but that indelible impression of hard bone beneath her fragile skin was impressive. There was strength within her, a skeletal knife in a silk sheath. An odd thought. He didn't trust her. 
Michael Hug dove close and he relaxed back against him. It was unusual for Michael to indulge in a public display of affection and Dove was grateful for it. The fire was out and the danger had passed, but his heart wasn't quite right yet. His flesh was still crawling. His young boyfriend, arrogant and pretty in roughly the same proportion, was already busy forgetting all about it. And that was reassuring. Three ambulances screeched away, carrying the passenger casualties, and the fire was out. The bystanders were starting to creep back into the night, and Dove began to feel the cold again on his scorched skin. He would be leaving here forever next week. All of this would be left behind. The crash had come close, but it had missed him. Let's get a drink, grinned Michael. Sounds good. What is it, Elliot? Dove looked at his friend. She was staring at the wreck. That's my mum's number plate. The next five hours crawled by like something verminous in the low filth. Speaking with the police, catching up with the ambulance at the hospital, getting there just too late. Saying goodbye to dead people, signing forms, waiting in the cold. Elliot's mum hadn't been travelling alone. Her dad had been in the passenger seat of a smaller car. Dove? She hadn't realised that her parents would be coming to visit. It was going to have been a surprise. But the house, it's so untidy, they wouldn't have been comfortable there. They would have stayed in a hotel, Michael said. So I, yes, I should cancel the booking. Let's just go home. There's nothing else that you need to be worrying about now. Elliot lived in a house share. Three of her housemates had already left at the, for the end of the year. Only Michael was left. That was how Dove had met her the year before, the nerdy girl who shared a house with his boyfriend. They walked home. Everything was ending. This just settled it for good. Term was about to end. Everyone would part. Dove had already decided that he wouldn't be coming back again next year, but he hadn't told anyone else yet that yet. As the three of them walked from the hospital to the anonymous semi-detached house they'd share that night, Dove felt a sweep of guilt. He had intended to tell his friends that his mother had died back in the States and he had to go back to take care of everything. That had been his story. He was that kind of a person. He hadn't expected to leave dramas behind him. He hadn't expected to leave undigested feelings. There was a criminology course about to start in a university back in California that he'd been accepted for, and he was keen to begin again. Dove Kittery was very good at beginnings. They got into the house and had a cup of coffee. Dove and Michael sat either side of their friend, but no one was talking. When she got up to go to bed, Elliot smiled at them. She was glad they were here, Dove decided. She'll miss him when he's gone. He didn't like the conclusion, but it was unavoidable. She was about to get used to a lot more important people than him leaving her life. Dove? I need a shower. He could still smell diesel smoke on his clothes. Good idea, said Michael. Your hair smells like sausages. Dove laughed and went upstairs. He undressed in the bathroom and took a shower. Michael hadn't come up yet by the time he had dried off. Dove went into his boyfriend's room and got into bed. The house was chilly. Michael and Elliot had decided to save money on heating. He lay in the darkness of the room and was suddenly glad Michael wasn't there with him yet. He burst into tears. His body shuddered in horror and grief and shock. Once he started, he couldn't stop himself, couldn't remember how to find his thoughts back to himself. When he had finished at last, he shivered under the covers and caught his breath. Dove, said the dead voice that was living in his brain now.